Welcome to Gapology Radio with your hosts, Mark Tinas and Brian Brockhoff. This is your leadership development podcast where they share unique insights with the purpose of helping leaders achieve their greatest potential. You can learn more by reading their books, Gapology, Imbar, and Speed of Purpose, or by participating in one of their workshops. All of this and more can be found on their website, gapology.org. Hey everybody, welcome to Gapology Radio. First off, I'd like to thank everyone for all the nice comments about last week's show with our special guest, Kim Rooney. It was a little different episode that we recorded live right here in my home office studio, uh, which was super refreshing, actually. Normally, we use Zoom to capture all the audio as Mark lives in California, Judy's in Minnesota, Sarah's in Florida, and I'm right here in Kansas City. And uh, Zoom's made all this uh, so much easier, and I think the quality's actually uh, improved as well. Um, So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, go back and check it out. Also, as a reminder, Judy and Sarah are available now to conduct live, in-person, or virtual workshops on Gapology for your teams. These can be two to four-hour workshops, or they can be broken down sequentially and provided virtually over Zoom. So just let us know your needs, and we can uh, come up with a great solution that will work for your organization. All right, so let's go ahead and get tonight's show rolling with Mark and Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Mark. How are you guys doing? Hey, guys. Hey, Brian. Nice to be here. Hey, nice to have you, uh, Sarah. It's been a little bit. How have you been? Oh, you know, just uh, trying to keep fresh on Gapology and uh, listening in and, uh, you know, loving every update you guys put out here on Gapology Radio. Awesome. Very cool. Well, we've got a great topic tonight, actually, to talk about. And I know Mark, uh, Mark has it all laid out. So, Mark, do you want to just go ahead and jump right in and kick things off? Yeah, thanks, Brian. Yeah, so the topic tonight is when more is less. When more is less. Now, if you flip that around, that might imply that less is often more. And I think I would buy into that. Um, As leaders, sometimes we pile on too much, and we think that more is more. And more may actually be less. And we're going to give you some examples tonight uh, and pitfalls to avoid so that um, you don't fall into the trap of more being less. So an example would be meetings. Meetings without a clear objective, meetings without a specific agenda and a set of actions that come out of it, and potentially some great random recaps during the meeting to ensure that the team is on track with you know, the objectives. Um, more meetings can just be less, less productivity, less achievement, less achieving the objectives, less time in the day. So as leaders, we need to be very careful not to add meetings because we may actually be achieving less through that. So what do you think about that, Sarah? Well, Mark, I think you hit the nail on the head with more sometimes being less. And, you know, there's that phrase that you've heard, the KISS method, you know, keep it simple, stupid, right? <laughs> and, you know, without the derogatory phrase, maybe you could just we could just flip it around and say, look at everyone's calendars <clears throat> these days. And I think throughout the pandemic, when we were pivoting and becoming virtual, we almost got comfortable having our calendars being back-to-back meetings because you didn't have to physically get up and go to someone's office and it was all on Zoom and it's just back-to-back-to-back. But when you create 
a schedule like that, whether it's for yourself or for your team, how much time are you giving your peers that deep dive time to actually get into the work that they're supposed to produce? So updates and check-in meetings are great to say, you know, what have you accomplished and what have you been working on? But if you never give them the time to actually work on it, you know, Judy and I with Relatively Speaking and, and the other work we do, we coach a lot of leaders. And a lot of times the feedback we get is that they're pulled into so many meetings that they feel like they can't say no to and they can't turn down. So then they go to these meetings and have no time, which then sinks into their, their personal time and after hours because they feel to get the results that they're now told to get, which we'll probably get into are sometimes competing goals and too many goals that they need to get all these different things that they feel like they need to burn the midnight oil to produce that. So I think that you know, really being intentional about the meetings that we're having and making sure that they produce a, a valuable outcome is really essential. Yeah, I would agree, Sarah. I think uh, uh, everything you said is exactly right. Um, meetings are important. We need to have meetings, absolutely. But let's make them effective. Um, you know, in Gapology, we write in there about simplicity. And I think simplicity is key when you're looking at structuring your your uh, leadership rhythm around meetings. So keep it simple, keep it um, to the point where it's really manageable um, and, and, and just so they're not draining. You know, I think so often people feel so drained by going to meeting after meeting after meeting. Yeah. That's part of uh, that's part of more being less right there. That's, yeah. that's a big, a big chunk of it. The other thing that happens is leaders kid themselves about what's retained because we had more meetings, therefore we gained more knowledge, right? Well, yeah. maybe not. Mm-hmm. Maybe we actually gained less and we trampled upon ourselves. So we have to be very careful that meetings are effective. One of the most effective uh, things that we have seen in organizations is a rhythm where meetings occur on a rhythmic basis. Everyone knows what the meeting's about, what to prepare. There is a specific outcome and objective laid out, and it's predictable known going in, a set of actions coming out of the meeting uh, that the team follows up on, and that creates, you know, the more, the more, more accomplished, you know, better results. So, and to Sarah's point, in the Zoom world, because meetings are, you know, at the touch of a button, you don't have to get in the car, uh, it's tempting to add more meetings. And that may not be the solution to what we're trying to achieve at all. Great meetings may be the solution. More meetings may very well not be. And and if you're finding yourself having to more having to have more meetings, ask yourself why. You know, why? Why more meetings? What what are we missing here? You know, the meetings obviously are not as effective as they need to be. So be careful. Right. Any other thoughts on, on that one before I go forward? Yeah, Mark, I, I think it's funny you you mentioned something really quickly talking about that assuming that because it was communicated that it was retained. And just because you had a meeting about something, I'm pretty sure that everybody who's married can probably relate to the fact that just because something was said doesn't necessarily mean that it was retained. And I, I was a college professor <laughs> and that that same type of standard holds true that I could say, well, we had a class about this. I had a whole lecture about this. What do you mean you didn't understand it? And if I just... <laughs> If I rested on my laurels and said, well, I know that I told you, or I know that it's in the syllabus, 
then it, it's kind of making that assumption. But using the tools that are laid out in Gapology, especially my favorite, which I hope we get to, which is the habit ladder, um, but using these tools to gauge that retention that's true retention um it really it really helps you connect to your team and then like you said mark then you're saying if you feel the need to have more meetings you're actually probably going to be pleasantly surprised that if you make sure that the retention is actually there that the knowledge and the skills are actually being built into habits you might surprise yourself with how many less meetings you need to achieve more with that team well said well said I, i'm glad you mentioned the habit ladder because as a leader, you can literally take the habit ladder, which is in Gapology, um, and you can use it as your meeting agenda. So think about this. Here are the steps on the habit ladder. The first thing you do is you communicate the content. Maybe it's a policy change. Maybe it's a new procedure. Whatever. You lay that out there. The second step, likely one of the most important and often missed, is you verify the understanding of the group. Did they understand it? You could, you could have a test. You could go around the room and have them explain it to you. There's many ways to verify understanding. But until you verify understanding, your communication was worthless. The third step, again, rarely used, is to ask for agreement. Ask for commitment. Are we all in on this? Are we going to do it? And that makes all the difference in the world. Then if you have time or you could schedule it separately, practice and feedback on whatever this new process, procedure, whatever, whatever the content of the meeting is, is key. Practice and feedback, practice and feedback. And that creates habit. And the habit ladder is incredibly effective. It's underutilized and it changes everything. And it makes less is more. You can have less meetings and be more impactful and create great results. So what do you think about that, Sarah? It's your favorite tool. It is. And it's probably because of my teaching experience that you really have to be intentional about each one of those steps. And especially ones like agreement, like you mentioned, that people barely get to that one. But then even more so the one beyond it, which is practice and saying, you know, no matter what your skills are or what you're trying to teach them, how would it feel for them to be able to practice it? And just to give you some context, I taught public speaking, which is not something that students really want to be learning or feel comfortable learning. So giving them the ability to practice or, or work out some of those nerves, it helps so much when you get to the final result. And that's really obvious in something like public speaking or a sport, but we, we take for granted how much we think that people just hearing instructions will be able to follow those instructions. So I think that practice is one of the most underutilized, which, you know, agreement probably helps in that intrinsic level to get them to close importance gaps along the way. But really making sure that practice is, is worked through. It's almost the biggest obligation as a leader of the team to make sure that you're setting your team up for success to make sure that they actually make it to the habit step. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Wow. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, no, I love that. Um, absolutely. Um, habit ladder is key. You know, it, it can be applied in a lot of different ways. And, and when looking at a meeting, trying to figure out, okay, so what is the most important thing? What are the behaviors that matter? What, what is the action? What, what is that that really matters here? And then building your agenda around the habit ladder with that as your, your objective, I think that's really critical. Yeah, the habit ladder really 
embodies gapology. It closes the knowledge gap, it closes the importance gap, and it closes the action gap. So leaders that learn to leverage the habit ladder uh, truly uh, can be much more effective. Can I go on to one other one on this? Sure. So Brian and I uh, worked with an organization that had uh, dozens, I'm not joking, dozens of KPIs. KPIs would be performance goals, key performance indicators, objectives. They had dozens of them. So in this case, more became less. There was less focus on the actual key performance indicators, the ones that really mattered, much less focus. And because there were so many, it became confusing and it was difficult to prioritize. So more became less. So the simple solution that Brian and I went through is we prioritized in rank order the KPIs and determined that three of the dozens, just three of them, really were impactful and impacted the bottom line the most. So we narrowed the focus of the organization to three KPIs versus dozens, and less became much more. Success um, just exploded. Everything changed. So more was less because leaders thought more KPIs would mean more performance. Not the case. Less. Less. Yeah, I think I think that sometimes people get overwhelmed by the amount of stuff that needs to get done, right? I mean, that's that's common no matter what industry, no matter what level of, of managerial or leadership people are in. There's just, quote unquote, so much that needs to be done. So if you're tasking these things out to your team and you're not prioritizing those KPIs and saying, these are the things we need to focus on in this order and here's why, then that kind of messiness, then it trickles down into your team and then your team doesn't know what to focus on. So your team, probably with some understandable confusion, they might just work on what they feel like working on or what they're they're good at. And they might procrastinate the things that they're unsure about because they weren't really sure if it was actually important because it was just kind of lumped in there with everything else anyway. So Again, as we're talking about a lot of this stuff starts with you as the leader, the clearer you are and the more you say these are our, our, our goals and here's why and this is the order, um, it's remarkable. And I've seen this happen in my organization, which I often bring up because it's a nonprofit, so it's its, its own monster. But, you know, it was really haphazard and the organization really didn't seem to have a true north. And there were changes in leadership. There were um, there was just it was just a jumbled mess of what are we doing? Gosh, there's so much to be done. There's not enough time in the day. And I took I took office in November and we got very clear about we need to increase our board members. We need to increase our business members and we need to raise funds. And we've hit all three of them by the end of Q1. So I kind of look back and, and it's not like I'm judging the people who came beforehand, but you can tell how it trickled down that the that the haphazardness or the lack of concise goals made it really hard for you to onboard anyone into this organization with clarity of what they're expected to do. Yeah, wow. You, you know, it's it's interesting. You were you're just laying out everything from Gapology that we're that we're talking about. Um, oh, you know, stop. It's, it, yeah, it's, you, you, it's, ta- you taught me well. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's it's amazing how you can get that kind of movement in that short period of time with focus on priorities creating simplicity around um, all the different activities that you're doing, 
Um, that's really key. You know, anybody can look at gapology and it's, if you look at just the model itself, there's so much simplicity in the model. And then, you, you know, when you look at the solutions individually um, and apply those um, with simplicity in mind, um, I think you can absolutely go after any of those priorities, um, clear that water um, and, you know, achieve your goals. Yeah, absolutely, Brian. Sarah made an interesting point that I, that I want to highlight. When you have too many KPIs, too many objectives, the team can hide behind the ones that they're good at. Uh, when you narrow it down to the ones that matter most and everyone has to achieve those, it makes things much simpler and much more productive. Yeah. So less becomes more in that case, and, and, and that's what you want to achieve. So um, the other thing that I, would, that I would bring up, I saw an interview on Bloomberg with uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, founder of Amazon, and I just listened for a few minutes and did not hear what I expected to hear. I, I expected to hear conversations around how he works 24 hours a day and doesn't get any sleep and seven days a week. And um, he, he didn't say that at all. He talked about how he tries to accomplish three things each day, three significant things. And when he can accomplish three significant things each day, he's had a great day and it makes a great week and a great month. And uh, that was so impactful for me to hear him say that because it's not what I expected at all. And uh, I think less is more in this case. And when, when more is less, when we pile on more and more, which is what Sarah was talking about earlier, trying to accomplish more and more versus significant things and, and doing them well, we uh, really defeat the purpose. Well, and I think it touches on another important piece of gapology that we haven't really talked about when you're talking about closing that knowledge gap, which is talent and making sure that the right people are doing the roles. Because I know that there are certain things that I can spend all day on and it would take me all day and it wouldn't necessarily move the needle. So was I the right person to have done that task or would I would it have been more beneficial to look at my team and go, oh, you know, who's really going to knock this out of the park is this person and let's give it to them and they're going to shine because they can't do all these other things that I'm the only person who can do. So if I give it to them and it frees me up to do things that make me really effective, it's also being pretty strategic about who's doing what and not just what you're doing, who's doing it and how does that help alleviate some of the meetings because then it's a different level of, of organization and trust um, in that delegation. Yeah, I love that. Putting the right person in the right role. It, that's so critical. Um, and, you know, it's critical when you look at um, skills versus output, right? Um, but it's also critical, I think, for just your level of um, love for your life. Um, when you're put in a role that you just are, are not good at, don't enjoy doing, and uh, you're just, you're always going to struggle. Um, but when you, you know, when you're put in a position where you really love it and you're really engaged with it, that just, I think it fills you up. It makes you far more productive I don't mean to interrupt you, Brian, but this is just, it's only funny because I work with a bunch of volunteers and I'm constantly whining about how we don't have enough people. But in the same breath, I'm taking people out of roles. 
And someone from the outside might look at me and go, oh my God, Sarah, why did you, why did you tell this person to step down as the chair of whatever? And why did you tell the person not to, well, cause they're not effective in it. Well, what, what good is it is having a chair that I can't rely on and a person who can't follow through and, and do the tasks, then I'm going to spend more of my time shuffling them around and checking in. And are you sure you have this? Do you need this? And, you know, if they wanted to, we could develop them. But a lot of the times those struggles and the reason that they're not effective as a volunteer in that capacity is that they don't have the time to commit to it. So I'd rather say, let's be honest about your time commitment. Let's put you into a role that has less to put on your plate and then you'll be more effective with it rather than trying to force you into this role that has a lot of obligation and commitment i'd rather see you do less and you know as somebody who's leading a volunteer organization trying to get everyone to do as much as possible that seems counterproductive but it really does streamline and it makes sure that the people who are in those roles of responsibility understand why they're there and they have that buy-in and that closure of the importance gap because because they're they understand what's what's they understand the assignment as the kids say these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, in summary, if you if you just look at pathology and look at the root solutions um, to close the knowledge gap, they are training, teaching, and talent. Each of those is enhanced by simplicity, by by being narrow and not expansive. If you look at the importance gap expectations, communication, and prioritization, all enhanced when not too much is piled on. Can't have tons of expectations and get them all accomplished at the level that you expect. Over communication is a negative. You know, prioritization becomes very difficult when there's too many things. And then you look at the action gap. You know, accountability, commitment, and culture all enhanced by a very narrow set of objectives, a very clear purpose, and the simplicity of that. It changes everything. So gapology is enhanced. Gaps are closed. Performance excels when we realize that more is often simply less. Awesome. Well said. Um, I love that. I love that summary. Um, That's exactly it. Um, You know, look at your organization through that lens of simplicity. I think that's really key. Sarah, any closing thoughts? Well, the joke in me wants to say no, I'll say less here. But (laughs) (laughs) as someone who has two degrees in communication, you would think that I would be all about it, that, you know, I'm communicating up, down and sideways, and we have to have all these emails for this and all these group chats for that. And, and, the best thing we did for our organization that I'll give credit to our board president for is he streamlined it and put it all into Slack, just put everything into there. And there are still occasional, you know, emails that come out from the city that we all have to respond to that were copied on, but for there to be clarity that there's one channel for everyone to check instead of not knowing if I'm going to get a phone call or not knowing if I'm going to get a text, or did I check this thing today that the simplicity of having less, opportunities for communication and having more predictable ways of communication um, has also contributed to our organization's success. Yeah, absolutely. Looking at everything through that lens of simplicity is really key, Um, you know, and, uh, you know, more does become less so often. So um, I think that's good for tonight. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate hanging out with you this uh, and going over this. Yeah, it it was nice to have you back on the show and we'll talk to you all soon. 
Everybody have a great night. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Brian. Bye. All right, that'll do it from here. For more information on our books, our workshops, our online training course, all that stuff, head on over to our website, capology.org. Everyone have a fantastic week. Talk to you soon. This has been a Gapology Institute production. Visit us at gapology.org.